is Mum Prudential and today as our guest we have debut novelist and mother of two, Ilona Bannister. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you, I'm so glad to be here, thanks for having me. Um, and how are you managing to um, promote your book and, um, and do all the homeschooling and everything? Yeah, it's pretty chaotic. Um, it's it's not as organized as I would have liked, but nothing is anymore, so that's okay. I've adapted, just rolling with it, um, and very excited that the book is coming out, regardless of everything going on around us. Well, I absolutely loved your book, When I Ran Away. Um, it's uh, it, I think it's it's something that we we all want to do at at some stage during yeah. um, during early motherhood. <laughs> Just um, yeah. duck out and go to a hotel and escape everything. Um, yeah. Is I, I I wanted to start with by asking you the the hotel that you chose. Is it a hotel that you know? No, <laughs> no. People often ask me about this. They ask about the hotel and did I ever go to a hotel and did I ever do this? Um, no, actually no. Um, but I I just thought it was a really good mechanism because I think that it is something that everyone can relate to, especially now this feeling of just wanting to be somewhere alone. It doesn't have to be special, it doesn't have to be nice, just the quiet and being alone in your own space, no matter what that space is. I think that's something everyone is craving at the moment, but it's certainly something that a lot of people go through when they have young children. So I thought that was something everyone could relate to. Exactly, and just to get that that space, that sort of, that quiet, to, yes. to, to think and put things into some kind of order in your in your mind. Yes, yeah, even if it's just staring at the wall. I mean, we just, <laughs> I think all of us could just use that. Um, yeah, it's definitely a need that you have when you're a parent. And how has it been for you? Because obviously you're American, so your family's in the States, presumably. Yes, they are, yeah. Um, how has it been for you having them the other side of the of the world when you're trying to, um, you know, do homeschooling and... Well, you're in the mid middle of a pandemic. It's it's a really tough time mentally, and you know everything's disrupted. Yeah, um, that that has been tough, and I think that's probably been tough for anyone who is is living far away from their family. Um, in addition to the pandemic, there's just been so much else going on in America. It's been really hard to watch it from afar, um, and to know that I have friends and family um, who are dealing with and have dealt with a very very stressful time. And to not be able to do much more than just be on the other end of a Zoom. Um, and I don't know when I'll get to go back home and see everyone, when it will be safe and everyone will feel okay about travel. So, uh, yes, it's, it's definitely been hard to go through this kind of situation without being able to um, reach out. Yeah. Beyond a phone call to your family and friends. So, well, your, your, um, Gigi, your, your main character, she finds herself in London as well. Um, having uh, married an an Englishman like like yes. like you like you have, yes. um, and uh, so so is she quite sort of autobiographical in a way? Um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone everyone who writes writes from their own experience in some way or other. Uh, so I I definitely drew from my experience um, because I also thought that th this uh, being an expat 
living in a different country, particularly an American in Britain, um, there is just so much that you come across that, that I just thought was very funny, thought the language was very funny, interactions that I had. Americans think they know a lot about British culture and vice versa, but the two places are really, really different. So can and you can you give a can you give a few examples of how you, of the things that you um, found funny and interesting when you got over here? It's just just the names of things. I often wouldn't realize what people were talking about. Like uh, one of the things in the book, as I mentioned, digestive biscuits. Yeah. And how I could not understand what that was. I thought it was like maybe something you give a dog if they're feeling unwell. Like I just didn't I didn't know that that was a cookie um, until I had one, and I was like, oh, okay. It's just a, it's just such a wordy yes. name. I've never even thought about it, but now you say it. <laughs> yeah, it does so, sound ridiculous. And it's such a technical name for something that is a very nice cookie. It's just the way that the way that language is used in the UK. I yes. think is so interesting, and um, that that's a lot of what I focus on in the book. Lots of different accents. Um, yeah. Lots of observations of how we use language because I think the way language is used in Britain is just is so interesting. And what about motherhood? I mean, do you think that it would have been very a very different experience for you being a mother in the states? Um, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I think that there are probably culturally similar a lot of the same sorts of pressures that we think about, a lot of the same concerns that we have about education, about working motherhood, about spending enough time with our kids, but. Um, I do think the two the two places are different, and the the biggest difference for me, of course, being that um, my children are very British and I'm very American, um, and the disconnect between us, um, not having the same references for things, uh, those those all are interesting. Sometimes they're a bit bittersweet. Yeah. Um, what ki- what kind of things? Um. So I guess I guess things like. Uh, things that I remember from my childhood, peanut butter and jelly jelly sandwiches and uh, Sesame Street characters being my friends. Um, They are to an extent here in the UK, but it's it's not the same. Um, So I would often introduce these things to my children, um, but they didn't have the same sort of of connections to them. So there are a lot of things from from childhood um, that I remember that just the connection is not the same for them. Um, and vice versa, you know, the children are always sort of having to explain things to me because I didn't grow up with them. So my kids are really sporty. Everything around sport is a mystery to me. Cricket, rugby, <laughs> these are very British yes. things. Yeah. Um, so my, my kids are constantly trying to explain them to me. So did you, um, did you ever imagine that you, when you, when you were growing up, did you imagine that you'd end up living in, in the UK? No, no. It's um, I always loved. Um, we my family always watched a lot of BBC dramas on public television, so I always loved um, British TV and British film and British books. I always loved it, um, but I had no idea until I met my husband in New York um, that this would ever be a part of my uh, path. But I'm happy it is. I've lived here twelve years now, um, yes. and I do I do love living here. And how do you find the, the, the British mothers? Do you find do you find it quite intense or what's it like being a mother in southwest London? An American mother? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That's something I explore in the book too. Um, I think that there is a different set of pressures um, uh, that one encounters. Uh, I think that as an American, I think in general, we do tend to be a bit more effusive, a bit more open. 
um, a bit more uh, willing to discuss failures and difficulties. Right, yes. Um, I, I don't think that's a very British trait mm-hmm. in general. Um, culturally, I think people try very hard to keep it together, um, to always put on a brave face and to always move forward. Yes. Um, and I think that is also a good trait, um, being able to always pick yourself up and move on. Um, but I think one of the things I've always struggled with not just with moms, but maybe with people in general when I worked in the office and in all these different environments is uh, just um, my my maybe being too open and sometimes encountering people who didn't know what to quite do with that. Um, but at yeah. the same time, I think they would have also benefited from being a bit more open themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's part of what is in the book around the mothers who are featured um, is the recognition, the acknowledgement that there's a lot going on under the surface with people. Yeah. And sometimes it, sometimes you really need to um, take time questions and to really listen um, to mothers, especially because they carry a lot yeah. and uh, things may appear one way on the surface, but there is actually a lot going on. And yeah. I think it's important for us as mothers and as women to recognize that and to check in with each other. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, Gigi was very um, affected by um, the Twin Towers. Um, yes. Her brother uh, d- died in um, the disaster. Were, ha- is that something that affected you too? Um, yeah, when 9-11 happened, I was working in, at a charity on Wall Street. So I was very close to the Twin Towers. I was there when it happened. Um, and so the scenes that I described there of running with the crowds of people to yeah. get away, um, that is something I experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to write about it because um, I think for any New Yorker, any New Yorker who was there that day, anyone who's born there and loves that city, um, it is just an experience that never leaves you. Um, it's been it's the 20th anniversary this year. Yes. uh, And as time goes on, we talk about it less and less, um, which is just normal. That's it it becomes part of history. But I did want to pay homage to that event. Yeah. And I I, and I don't think that you can. For me, I always feel like you can't really write a character who's from New York unless you mention what their relationship is to that event, because it was so transformative. I can imagine that. yeah, so I, I wanted to um, pay homage to it with respect um, and to acknowledge that grief is something that is ongoing. Um, it's not just limited to the time when it happens. Um, there are cer- certain things that happen that, that stay with you forever. And just because time passes doesn't mean that we shouldn't um, you know, check in on about how we feel about those things. Exactly, um, and they can yeah. also reappear more strongly at other times when you're also experiencing something really difficult like new motherhood um in a foreign city um i mean do do, 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 you you had a complicated um birth with your first child yes uh and and do do you think that, that did that bring bring back sort of other memories of your past as well um yeah both children actually were um quite traumatic births, emergency C-sections twice. And uh, I think what happened for me is um, the sort of anxiety and the difficulties that I had afterward physically and mentally um, 
these things all connect to other experiences that you've had in your past. Um, so, as, you know, when you experience one trauma, it does take you back to traumas you had before, and they can kind of build up on one another. Yes. Um, and the, in the intensity of motherhood, when all those things build up on you, you can have a really difficult time, um, which is part of what I wanted to explore with Gigi, yes. is that it, it wasn't just she was dealing with postnatal depression, she's also dealing with grief. Um, there's... We, we look at mothers as though the motherhood is the only thing that is happening with them. Um, but, but people are multifaceted. Sure. And she, she's lived a whole life before this moment. It just happened to be that this moment is what pushed her to having to face um, what she was dealing with. So, yeah. And, and, how, and how did you did you manage to write her? You know, it's, it's very hard because you would have had to tap into your own experiences and also, you know, she's her own person as well, isn't she? She's not exactly you. Um, whilst you're, you're still, you know, you're mothering two, two young children. Was that was that difficult? Um, yeah. So it, it, it was difficult, but also helpful. Um, so Gigi is certainly a fictional character. Uh, but as I said before, I did draw from my own experience. Um, and, and when I started writing, I found that it was really healing and helpful for me to process some of the things I had been through. Yeah. Uh, through, through her character. Um, she, she was really healing for me. Um, and, I, and I also felt, you know, when, when I was dealing with what happened to me after the birth of my kids, I was looking, I kept looking for a book um, or something about that experience, about really falling apart. Yeah. Um, and, and these, there are a lot of books about motherhood and a lot of great ones. Um, but finding, I was looking for the story that reflected how, how I felt, because I thought I can't be the only person who feels like this, who feels this disconnected. Well, that's right. Um, yeah, it can make you, it makes you, can make you feel, well, like a totally different person, but you're not sure yeah. who that person is at all. Yeah, and I, and I wanted to address some of the things that we are afraid to talk about around motherhood. Um, it's scary to talk about feeling disconnected from your kid or from your baby. It's scary to talk about feeling angry and how much rage um, can accompany being a mother. Um, and I think that's something that we're really hearing a lot about now in the pandemic, um, how mothers are being pushed to the edge and how much the impatience and the rage is, is building up and how we feel about that. Um, these are hard things to discuss because we don't, we expect mothers not to have those kinds of feelings, but they certainly are a part of motherhood. So I wanted to make sure that um, I put that out there for anyone who is, who's feeling that. And did you, did you get help when you started having those kind of feelings? Was it, was there useful help out there for you? Um, there certainly, there certainly was, and I was a person who had been to therapy before, um, so I was, I was totally open to going and finding help, um, but it, it wasn't easy to find, um, and I think part of the point I want to make in the book is that uh, if you are in a position where you are really struggling, help can be really difficult to access, even just logistically, yes. it can be very difficult to access. And also, I guess it really depends on 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 whether you have some kind of connection with the person that you're that you're seeing as well. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you and someone, right someone yeah, someone who understands um, that experience. And and for mothers in particular, um, you need someone who has experience with the the feelings that surround those issues um, because it's not 
it's not like any other kind of depression or any other kind of anxiety is quite specific. Yes, exactly. Um, for new moms, you need someone who's empathetic. And as we all know, it's amazing that the NHS provides those services, but they are difficult. The waiting lists are long, they're difficult to access. Um, and as we know, the NHS is really, really stretched. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of bring those issues to the forefront too, that yes, we tell new mothers, go get help, go get help. But you know, the help can be hard to come by. And if you're in a dark place, it can feel insurmountable. And to what extent do you think the, the your birth experiences can affect your mental health after your um, after your baby's been born. I know you said um, you've had two C-sections. I've had I've had four. They um, wow. and there is a there definitely is a kind of stigma attached to it. You feel well, I, mean, I did anyway. That you haven't had a proper birth. You've had the sort yeah. of you've had the cop out birth, and yeah. it's um, yeah. that's something that you're you're sort of carrying too, isn't it? In those early days. Yeah, and and that's something I really wanted to. It it made me so angry when I would hear comments like that um after my kids were born uh and it was something that i really wanted to highlight in the book as well so that's um i I wanted to make people sensitive to what it sounds like uh because it's it's a it's a very difficult procedure to go through it's the only kind of major surgery where you are then expected to get out of bed and look after a baby i mean yes and now yeah yeah. thanks to lockdown you're now chucked out of hospital within 24 hours after a c-section which is too soon in my mind it's really debilitating and i don't think people who i don't think people realize it, it gets demonized and um but it's a necessity. There's a reason that the, that, that procedure is available. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's life-saving. Exactly. Uh, and I think it's really important that it, it receive equal footing um, with natural birth. It can also be really, really difficult to recover from, and it can take a very, very long time. Um, so it, it, that was one of the things that I felt was really lacking for me, is I didn't – you need physical rehabilitation after that um, – and that's also not necessarily readily available. So yeah, exactly. I, and what yeah. what do you think about attempts to kind of beautify it or make it make it seem like like it's a sort of it can be a natural, beautiful experience? Um. Yeah, I think well, it's hard because we don't we don't want to. Um. You, wait, you mean around C sections? Yeah, around C sections, exactly. Yeah, I think I think it is important for women to know that if if they do end up having a C-section, that it is um, valid, that it is not about failure, um, that it is uh, it is medically what needs to happen, um, and even if it's by choice, then you have to have very good reason to make that decision, um, and and I and I think women need to know that that's okay. Yes, I know we're all encouraged to do things. Um, uh naturally uh but but i think we need to know that it's i i just remember receiving the message that it was the last thing on earth i would want to happen is have a c-section that we were sort of told that that is the worst case scenario um but if you're in a situation where you really need it uh it is it's not the worst case scenario it's the thing that saves the life of you and your baby yeah Um, and i think it should be portrayed that way rather than as an easy way out or because it, it, it certainly isn't an easy way out anyone yes. will tell you that. yes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah and so after after um you had your first baby did you go back to work i know you were a lawyer before 
both in, yeah. in New York and in London? Yes. Um, so after my first son, I took a year of maternity leave and then I went back to work. Um, and then uh, when I became pregnant again, it was then that I decided to leave um, because my uh, I had quite a difficult start to that pregnancy. Um, and I it just felt like with a with a two year old and a baby on the way, um, I don't think I, I took enough time properly to recover from mentally from the first birth, uh, and, and I, I felt like I had reached a threshold, and I needed to step back and take a break. And was that a hard um, was that a hard decision to make? Because I know that once you're in the kind of rat race of the office, it's very you know you sort of feel that you'll never get back to it if you if you leave it. Yeah, it was a hard decision to make, and I um, I was very afraid of what would happen afterward, and and whether I would be able to get back in. Um, and for me, it, that didn't happen. Um, I just I tried to go back to work when my younger son was three, and I kept interviewing and I kept striking out. I kept coming second and not getting the jobs. Really? And, and I, why do you think yeah. that was? Um. Uh, well, I, I think part of it is you when someone has stepped out of their career and is coming back, particularly in something like law, where you need to constantly be on top of changes, um, you are taking a risk uh, bringing someone back who needs to be brought up to speed. Um, so I can understand that. Uh, I did, in all of my interviews, talk very openly about having young children and needing flexibility. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that that was received particularly well, which... I can also understand when people are running um, small businesses, but uh, it, it is something that women come up against all of the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I'm kind of hoping that this pandemic is going to change that slightly now. So many women that, have I proved they can work, work from home. And, you yeah. know, it's yeah. not that we should have been having to prove ourselves, really. No, but, um, but I think it, it, it's in stark relief now what, what it actually means to have a full-time job and look after children, what is actually required to do that. Um, and I hope that there is a lot more understanding about it than there was when I was trying to go back to work. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, so I came up against that, I think. Um, even though I was very qualified, I was coming with what, you know, employers might look at as baggage and... Um, that's really uh, sad, and yeah. and they lost out there. Therefore, you know, yeah. that's one yeah. one woman that didn't, you know, a highly trained woman that didn't go back into the yeah. workplace. Yeah. But you became a great writer, so you know, yeah, happy very, ending. Um, it's it's interesting how 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 things change, um, and how you end up on a different path than where you started. Um, I decided to write because when I did finally get a job offer. And we did the math, and the my I would have just broken even after paying for the childcare. Yeah. Um, which is another thing a lot of women come up against is that feeling of why am I going through all this stress of trying to go back to work and then not even making an economic contribution to the family? It yes. Just, it's wrong. Well, I know, and so many people argue that you're doing it for yourself and your for your future career. Yeah. But that's that's you know that's yeah. not really a great excuse, is it? No. And, and it's it's a price that 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 women pay specifically that women pay it's the price of readmission um, and it's really unfair so when we when we came up against that my husband and I um, 
then decided that I would give it a year and I would try to write and I took that course and uh, we would see how things were at the end of that year and if I had a book then I would uh, pursue that and if I didn't then I would go back to trying to get back into law but it but I would have something interesting to talk about and um, and we would see where it would go so luckily it worked out and I'm on this entirely new path that I never planned to be on but um, there you go and so um which which course did you, did you do uh, so Faber Academy um, has a writing school, and I, I came across a course. It was called um, Work in Progress. It was an online course. Uh, I knew with two little kids I would never be able to go to anything in person, um, but the online course was fantastic, uh, and it, it had to be really accountable. We had um, five to 7,000 words due every month, wow. and I was very, very strict about making sure the children were not an excuse and that I got those words in. Yeah. Um, it was not always easy, but I treated it like a job. Um, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't being paid, but I did. I thought if I wanted this to be my job, then I'm going to treat it like one. Um, and at first, I didn't really talk to people about it because I think another thing that happens when you're a stay-at-home mother is you feel like anything you you do outside the children in the home seems frivolous or like it's just a hobby. Yeah. Um, or, or, or you, it's an indulgence. You shouldn't have that because you should be doing the work in the home. Um, but when I started treating it like a job and treating it seriously, and when I stopped dismissing it myself as an indulgence and started looking at it as something that was going to further me and my family, um, then other people started looking at it that way too. Um, so that. And do you think that improved your, your writing um, or at least your confidence? Yeah, because I, I think I think after striking out with trying to go back to work, I, I was at a real low. I had really low confidence, um, and I think stay-at-home mothers are are also, or they were. Maybe this will change as well. But the work in the home is really undervalued because because and just because you're not being paid, it's looked at as though it doesn't have value. Um, so I was just feeling in a very low place. Yeah. Uh, but but getting back into this and doing this and treating it like a job and explaining to my family that this was important to me and this had to be a priority for all of us, um, that certainly helped me and it certainly gave me the boost in confidence. Well, I think you've done really well because, I mean, I know that, that writing can be a very lonely pursuit and, yes. um, and therefore not great for your confidence and self-esteem. Yeah, it can be, but what I say to anyone who wants to write is it's really important you do do it by yourself but it's really important to share your work with your friends or to find a writing group or to get into a course or with your partner you need to share it and so who um, are you sharing yours with uh so uh at the beginning it was the first writing course that i was on and then um recently i was just so lucky over the starting in march 2020 so right at the beginning of lockdown i met a group of um mothers who write through Instagram and we formed a writing group um, that was meeting every month and it was really so valuable for all of us. Um, it, it, I, I'm working on my second book now. Really? So being a part of, yeah, being a part of that group really, I had people to be accountable to and um, it, it really pushed me forward and that was just so important over this year. And how, how, so have you, how have you managed during lockdown to keep writing? Mm, that's that been that's been very challenging um, with everyone in the house and no solitary space. Um, I I have adjusted. I've learned to adapt. I used to sort of have to sit 
for hours and stare at my screen and then take the time. But um, I can't do that now, obviously, with homeschooling. So I've learned to write in sort of 15 to 20 minute intervals. Um, I when, when I get the time, um, often on weekends, my husband will take the children and he'll occupy them the whole weekend, take them for walks or whatever it might be. And I would work on weekends. Um, I sort of had to fit my work in wherever I could. Uh, but it's really interesting with writing because even when you're not writing, your subconscious, I think, is always working. Yeah. So when I did finally get the chance to write, and it wasn't every day, but when I did get the chance, I had a lot to say because my, my brain was storing it up. I had to trust myself that it was in there. Um, although I have to say I've had a strange experience. I look back at some of what I've written, and I, I don't actually remember it. Um, because I think there's just so much going on um, that I, I actually haven't even remembered a lot of the work I've done. But it's there. Yes. So it happened. I'm holding it, it in happened. my hands. <laughs> it definitely happened. Yeah. Um, and what, what was it like when you held your, your novel for the first time as a sort of printed copy? Oh, my goodness. That, that really is a surreal um, experience. That really, uh, I, I, it is still a surprise to me. I mean, I've been working on this now for four years, but um, it is, looking at it now, I'm looking at the book right now, it's uh, really incredible to um, see it as an actual object that people are going to have in their homes. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy feeling. It's so really, you said uh, you, gave your, you gave yourself one year, but it's mm-hmm. taken four. So, um, so you, yeah. you obviously kept the faith. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the the first draft was the year of that course, and then I gave myself, I, I asked for a lot of feedback to see if it was a marketable idea, um, and when I got the feeling that I, I should pursue it, then I gave myself a year to find an agent, because um, that does take a long time. Uh, two weeks before my deadline, I met my agent, so that was lucky, um, and then... Uh, we went through another editing process of about six months before she felt that it was ready to pitch to publishers. Um, and then once we got uh, my book deal, there was another editing process, which took about a year. Um, and the pandemic happened in between. And then yeah. here we are. So <laughs> uh, it, it does take a while. It does take a while to get a book out. And do you think, um, going, going back to your, your, your two boys, do you think that um, lockdown and the pandemic has changed you as a mother at all? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I've had the, ex- I have let go of a lot of things. Um, I have let go of uh, things that I thought were important before that now I just, I feel like we have achieved a lot if we have gotten to the end of the day. I have taken a lot of pressure off myself and off the children. Uh, And I hope that's something that we continue um, because I think being more relaxed about the state the house is in, about what everyone is eating, about the amount of schoolwork that gets done, um, that has been the the way to get through this situation. Um, I do worry, certainly patience has run thin at times, as I know it has for everyone. And I do worry about that, um, about how often I was impatient with them, um, or how often I had to say no because I didn't have the time for things. Um, but also, I just have faith that this experience, they, they will have learned a lot from that. 
um, and that it will hopefully make them more compassionate people in the future. Yeah. Um, and and I, th- I think that's true for everyone. I think parents have probably been really hard on themselves, mothers in particular, with all that we have had to do, um, and, and not because of the pressure on us, not being able to do as much fun stuff, not being able to be as loving, not or whatever it might be. Um, but I think it's extraordinary that we've all gotten to this point. We've gotten the kids to this point. Um, and, and that's something in itself to be proud of. And even though it's been difficult, the children will have learned some really, really important lessons about themselves and about the world and about caring for people. Um, so I, I just have to hope that, that some positive has yeah, come from Yeah, I'm sure it will. And it, if you yeah. look back on the two um, lockdowns we've had, what do you uh, is there is there any kind of memory that you think will stick in your mind i mean it's probably too soon to say but do you do you look at your children and sort of is there any kind of memory do you think that that will stay with you yeah i think that um i think when we were all applauding for the nhs on our doorsteps i think that that is something that they will always remember that, yeah. that sense of community yeah. um I think that we have had, we've had some great moments. Uh, there were some times when we would go out really early in the morning trying to, trying to get to the common or the park or before anyone else that wouldn't be around people um, and, and spending some time outside together doing things I never usually did, like playing rugby and things like that with them. Brilliant, yeah. Um, and they've had some, they, when they've been out with their dad, and this, this I think they're always going to carry with them. My husband, um, so that I could work, he would take them on these walks, uh, and those were their boys' days, and um, those were very special for them. They have their little routine around that. So Yeah. Uh, and, and it's nice that, you know, because all of the activities were suspended and all the sports were suspended, they have had this really concentrated time. Yeah. Um, with which with their dad in particular, which is really important for boys. So yeah, really I really, I found the same. Yeah, yeah I think it's it, it's it will have changed uh, changed my husband as a, as a father as well. I don't yeah. think he'll ever want to sort of be so apart from them again. You know, just yeah. having been so yeah. so much more involved. Yeah, I think that's it's been a really important experience for fathers. Um, to see to, to just be around their kids as much and and I think that is a positive um so yeah well thank you so much for this and thank you for for, for, for joining me and chatting today um so oh, your book you. it's been great so your book's out this week um so, and yeah. so um when I ran away where can we buy it um so it's on bookshop.org and on amazon and waterstones.com and are you going to be doing any kind of I suppose it's difficult to do a tour or anything right now. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, but uh, if you follow me on Instagram, so it's at inama.banister, um, I have got, uh, I'm doing a bookstagram tour at the moment. So I, I visit, so I, I sort of bookstagrammers every day have been reviewing the book and doing photos and stuff, so that's been nice. Um, I've got uh, some things on my Instagram TV to look at. Uh, there's a reading on there that you can check out. Um, and tomorrow, which is the launch day, uh, I've got a little special thing, a, a special launch down, uh, sorry, lockdown launch party happening on my account tomorrow. Oh, um, if, anyone, if anyone wants to check that out. Okay. Um, so we're, we're doing our best. Yeah. Oh, well, good luck with yeah. it all. And thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.